0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Code Career with me Cameron Blackwood and my co-founder Colin Riddell. Today's guest is Eva Grabovieka. Eva is a former microbiologist turned software engineer. She joins us today to discuss her journey from working in laboratories to working in the fintech industry here in Scotland. And speaking of Scotland, we have a really exciting announcement. The first in-person Coda Career event will be happening in central Edinburgh and we'll be partnering with Xdesign. It'll be on the 14th of July starting at 6pm and will be free to attend. Tickets are limited though, so please do register via the link in the description. Don't worry if you can't make it in person because we'll be live streaming it. You can also register for the live stream for free in the description. Obviously, that's unlimited because it's being live streamed. Once again, massive thank you to X Design. And if you want to chat with us in the lead up to the event, you can join our Discord community for free via thecodacareer.com. You just need to fill out your details and just provide us with your email. But with that housekeeping out of the way, it's time to grab a coffee, push those commits, and enjoy the show. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. How are we all doing? Excellent. Great to be here. Who do we have today, Cameron? We have Eva. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm Gage. That was a very enthusiastic entry for a Monday afternoon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, the weather is just so nice. I'm I'm feeling really enthusiastic. Like I actually think I got a bit sunburnt today. So what? you don't get that much in Edinburgh. <laughs> what a day. Like I'm ready for an exciting chat about tech. So for people that haven't come across you uh, before, do you want do you want to say a little bit about yourself, like uh, a little bit about your story so far?
1: Yeah, so my name is Eva, like whatever. I am based in Glasgow. I work at a little startup called Nude, not so little now. We have grown quite a lot over the past year. Um, so yeah, Nude. Careful what you type into your browser. Uh, we...
2: <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> like, say.
1: I know. Do you know? You are like the amount of times you get blocked in other people's mailboxes um, flagged up. Um, but yeah, so it's getnew.com uh, for those who want to be a little bit safer. Um, and we are a startup and we help people save up for their first home. So we are very targeting first-time buyers. Um, and we, we do like goal setting and money saving and all cool stuff. Um, so that's what I do for work and for fun, because that's not nerdy enough. Uh, I run a meetup called Coldcraft. We've been running for about, the whole meetup has been running about for like, I don't know, eight years. I've been running it for about four um and we run on third thursday of every month we love alliteration so third thursday of every month um either online or in person
2: very nice codecraft's one of like the big ones isn't it it's one of the like kind of long-running glasgow based tech meetups that i mean i I went to codecraft for the first time in 2016
1: yeah i think so uh... (laughs)
2: like and i think it predates that even as well that's just when i heard about it so yeah, yeah nice I one. think it's 2015
1: awesome. that we started. So I didn't start in 2015. I only got into tech in 2016, so went to uni in 2016, 17 graduated and joined CoCraft 2018. Um, but yeah, it is, it is one of the OGs of the tech. Hmm. Things, yeah.
2: What do you do at Nude? Are you a software engineer?
1: Yes, so I'm a full stack software engineer, as it is in most uh, startups. It's like, what well, can you do? Everything good. <laughs> we want it tomorrow. Um, no, it's not that bad, it's not that bad. But yeah, so I do mainly at the moment, I do the app. So we are a React Native based application. Um, we are only available on iOS at the moment. It's crazy to think about, we only have four developers and this is the things we do. We have like internal tooling, we have the app on iOS, we have our backend, we also have Azure functions that we run our stuff on um, and that's for people, you know. <laughs>
2: that's a website. yeah we've got our
1: own website as well that we also run um so yeah it's it's a lot
0: <laughs> a lot a lot of uh lot of learning opportunities there
2: though i bet
1: yes oh, oh yes every yes. day no day is a no learning day every day is something new so it's it's really good it's really good yes, i really that does it.
2: sound really good like i think there's a lot to be said for engineering teams that can deliver products and maintain themselves as being a small scaled engineering team at, at the same time like I've got a lot of respect for that. Like you, you hear quite a lot of teams that have like 50 people on them and then you look at their product and the product's like, What the hell are you doing with 50 people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think really I think
1: cool. a, yeah, no, it, it is cool. I think at the start you definitely have that luxury that things go fast. Um, because you don't have that much even communication communicating things is very very quick because there's only four people that you need to communicate things to. Um and we did it really well that, you know, the our tech lead, Keith, he used to run CodeCraft. So he's totally sold on good coding practices and, and you know, implementing systems early on in order to then be able to scale efficiently. And I think that really helped us. Like, we have a really good code coverage, co- like unit test coverage, which means that we can rapidly, you know, if we, there's issues in live, we can really easily replicate them in our test environments. And, you know, if we've not accounted for a scenario, just bang it as a unit test, done. You know, something's wrong, write a test for it. Usually we can do things that way. Uh, we have like design systems, which means that um, like a, we've got like a component library, which we didn't have at the start. We only kind of implemented it January last year. And um, that lets us like implement pages in the app really quickly. And I think we're very good at that, that we we put the time to maintain the code base, which means that we can go quicker. But I'm very aware that as we grow and as more people come in, it, it will get slower, just as the nature of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very cool. I've never been in a place where, you know, there's only four people and it's like a whole product.
0: I, I mean, for some perspective, I mean, the, the current place I work at, we have 700 people in our tech department. So very different, uh, very different yeah. kind of setup. <laughs> <laughs> which is it's always interesting to hear about how it is on the other side and um something uh we do on the code of career uh to get to know our guests a little bit better is we run some quick fire questions so uh this will be an interesting one uh with us all being across the m8 uh which is something i realized in the intro i was like we are all from uh you're from the far west of the m8 colin's from the middle of the m8 and i'm from the far right of the m8 which is uh not interesting to anyone outside of scotland i've just realized but it's a cool fact nonetheless but, anyway. if, we had a
1: par- but if we had a party bus, you know the route
0: <laughs> do you know what that's given me an idea code of career party bus we're all having a little hackathon along uh, along the m8 that um that sounds like a weird day but i think it'd be quite fun
2: okay, uh, a so- quick one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right we'll get on it what, what do you reckon colin let's get organized
2: <laughs> yeah i'm up for it uh, i'll drive <laughs>
0: Love can that.
2: you drive Love a bus that. are you allowed <laughs> no, to drive a bus definitely not <laughs> who cares try something different try, try everything once right
0: yeah yeah absolutely you never know till you try go find, break till things, things right
2: yeah. exactly <laughs> agile lean agile
0: let's do it absolutely and so, so on to the quick fire questions uh now what what was your first ever computer
1: my first ever computer oh well this is quite interesting because i come from poland and when you speak to people here, they're like, oh, we had the Nintendo, we had this, we had this. And I was like, uh-uh, we had fakes of everything <laughs> ev- like available and imaginable. So I had I had a computer that someone put together for me. There was not branded, but basically you went to a computer shop and they put it together for you. And that's what I had. <laughs> I don't know what the make is, I don't know what the model is. I don't know what the spec is. Um, but I did. I heard on your other episode that someone mentioned Lemmings. I absolutely <laughs> played Lemmings when I was younger. Uh, this is also why I went to Dundee Uni, because Lemmings were amazing. There is, I also played a lot of Aladdin, Prince of Persia, and Lion King, which was also great fun. Um, so that was my first computer. It was just a put-together computer that sat, I think it was in my brother's room. And it was, yeah, it was just a put-together thing with no
0: brand on it. That's the best kind of computer. Yeah, Yeah.
2: that's the best one. Another career question that's not an official question that we never usually ask, but it's sort of a theme that we end up getting about. This first computer of yours, was it driven via floppy disk?
1: Yes. Oh, my God, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. And you know what? For anybody that remembers floppy disk, and if you don't, go look them up. There is like I was obsessed with it because I loved the Batman, the animated series. And when you look at the floppy disk, it looks like a little Batman on it. And I thought it was so cool. And also, Sailor Moon could destroy the world with a floppy disk because they were like, "Aha!" And they had the they like held the little floppy disk. And yeah, I don't like remember a the Batman thing. It. You don't. don't look it up. No, look.
2: Batman. Okay. Look,
1: what the 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 thing on the floppy disk or the animated Yeah, years?
2: The, no, the yeah the thing on the floppy disk.
1: Oh, you should.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: you I'll should. look up. I'll look up. Okay. I'll, re- okay. I'll remember myself what floppy disk looks like. <laughs> yeah it's it's sort of a thing now in the show isn't it?
0: it it's a running joke because i admitted when when colin first came on the pod first as a guest before he became a host um i admitted that i'd never use a floppy disk and i wouldn't know how to use one and i don't really remember <laughs> um and because it, it always transpires that i actually look about 10 years old and i actually am uh so <laughs> <laughs> it's now become a running joke for um everyone to basically laugh at the fact i don't know really how to use a floppy disk on, on how Coda old Grey. are you I'm 26, but I am 27 in two weeks' time. Um, but yeah, I'd never. Uh, I think I just missed floppy disks, really,
2: by right, by a couple okay. of years. Mm. Yeah, sounds like you did. I'm 10 years older than you. I just realised. Um, all right, uh, Eva. I'm going to ask you your next quickfire question. What is your favourite tech city?
1: Glasgow, of course. Like what oh, else? Like, That's what, a great uh, answer. That was excited. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> need to think about it. Berlin is also very cool, um, but I would say Glasgow is the best. So,
2: tell us more about why you think that, if that's okay.
1: Because people make Glasgow. Oh, you know? I like it. People are just so nice. Like it's literally the slogan of the city that people make Glasgow. And um, yeah, I think before COVID, we had a really strong tech community. I think there was in the town there was a meetup every day with like a good turnout of people. And if you think about it, like the, the tech industry isn't huge in Scotland, um, but there was meetups nearly every day. There was something happening. There was a lot of interesting things. We had speakers from like all over the world, which is really random. I think, it, and I think it's just because people knew each other. So if someone was here on holiday from like America or something, they would be quite happy to come in and do a talk at a tech meetup. And that like, it's amazing. Um, and we had people coming back sometimes um, when we went online from America, like kind of tuning in or dial- or zooming in. I, I don't know what the, <laughs> what the word is um, from all over because, you know, it was accessible and they've been once or they, they've heard and that kind of stuff. So yeah, absolutely. I think we are so good at community um, and helping each other and kind of sharing ideas. So I would definitely say Glasgow.
0: I like that people make Glasgow as a really good saying and and motto. I I like to think Edinburgh's one is, we will never fix our potholes. Uh, (laughs) Probably our city slogan. Uh, We will never empty the bins. We will never fix our potholes. But the parks are nice, which is good. (laughs) Um, Anyway, enough of me complaining about local authorities. Hey there, Cam here. Hope you're enjoying this week's episode of The Code of Career. This is just a quick shout out to the rest of our careers network. Did you know you can also find us on TikTok instagram youtube and many more most importantly we have a discord server you can access that by going to the and filling out your email where you'll be sent an invite link now back to the show cool so obviously you're, you're a coder like us now but um back in the days of playing uh, the games via floppy disk uh when you're a kid what job did you want was it code then or, or something else no,
1: so I was. I'm trying to really hard remember what what I wanted, but I think I'm one of those people that just like switches areas of interest every couple of days. Um, but I remember quite distinctly listening to like audiobooks on my cassettes because um, we had cassettes back then, and mm-hmm. doing like a lot of um, like I had my little teddy bears, and I was acting out the scenes that was happening in the audiobook. Um, so I think probably something theater, something quite creative um i got really into art when i was like in high school and then i just thought microbes are really cool and i ended up doing microbiology first i was like huh cool. this little thing can kill you isn't that cool
2: yeah that's cool <laughs> what was the
0: point where you were like microbes are re- like what exposure did you have to them were you like they're really cool was it just like a biology class thing or
1: so my brother did a phd at the same time that i was in high ah. school and he did microbiology um but he did the boring microbiology right so he was looking at like um effects so basically, his, his PhD was like figuring out if we could filtrate water through a pavement and then generate electricity while we do it, which is, I mean, very cool. And part of this this work was um, understanding like, you know, what happens on a standard street in Glasgow or Edinburgh. It was actually Edinburgh at the time. I lived in Edinburgh. Um, I, you know, puke and poop and all the, <laughs> you know, normal things that happen. And, and then he, I think he showed me um, like mould once under the microscope and that was me. I was hooked. I was like, "This is so cool! You could like, it for me, it was just this like a whole new world, a whole new world that you could mm-hmm. see under the microscope that you just had no idea existed." And I was just in it. I was like, "This is so bloody cool! I want to do this. I want to see more of it." Um, but equally, I wasn't that interested. Um, like I wasn't like, "Yeah, this is so cool. I want to do it." at Uni. I was just kind of like, oh, I have good grades from my biology. So I'll go to uni, do biology. But microbes were, but I did microbiology because I thought micro, like microscopes were really cool. What's under the microscopes was really cool. Um, and that's kind of how I picked
0: it. Mm, very nice and um I mean kind of related to that and uh exiting the quick fire questions um your journey into tech how, how did how did you go from uh scientist um slash academic biologist um over to over to the world of being a software engineer how, how did that process happen and have you, do you think you've learned a lot from that original stem background you have
1: oh yeah absolutely so first so how I got here um so I went to do microbiology and I did this thing called iGEM. And iGEM is a, a worldwide competition where scientists create microbes to do something new. So for us, I was in Dundee at the time and we were really interested in... Um, God, What's the name for it? This is really bad. <laughs> I can't remember what it is.
2: Science!
1: <laughs> Science, yeah. Um, Algo blooms. So we were really interested in algal blooms and how, you know, if you've got an algal bloom on the lake, that totally cuts off the community from the use of that lake because then they create toxins and you shut down the lake. And that was the case, what happened to one of the lakes in Dundee. So we were kind of interested in that. Um, And one of the, it was this guy called Kyle, um, and he he built out of a raspberry Pi and an ordrina, a little robot that would sit in a lake. We put it in a lunchbox and like it was like a tesco lunchbox that we had to make holes in and we put sensors in it and a little camera and you could monitor the algal blooms and and the temperature of the water and i just thought it was the coolest thing on the planet that you could send it i don't think like it was that advanced back then but the fact that i could get data from that little robot onto my phone it was just mind-blowing to me (laughs) and then he did yeah yeah and and it was cute, right? It was it, we called it a moptopus because it was like an octopus uh, that would mop things, yeah, and um and that, that, like and then he did our website, and I just got really interested in that. I thought this is really cool that you could be really creative with it, but also you could build stuff with it, but also you can do data with it. Like I was like, you can do everything in code. So I knew about coding before, like I did higher computing, and then I was the first girl to do advanced higher computing in my school I think as far as I remember it was a long time ago um you know there's only two of us in the class anyway um and so I knew like you could do things I just didn't quite grasp like what you could do and how much could you do and I, I probably guess that in that four or five years between uni and high school um quite a lot of change and tooling probably developed on a quite a scale so when we did iGEM we did really well so we we won the European stage that was really exciting, and then we went to MIT, and then that's where I saw more people doing stuff with code, and, and it was just really cool. I thought it was a really cool thing to do. Um, so I decided to do something called bioinformatics, which is a, like DNA stuff, basically, when you analyze DNA and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I did a little bit of that in my fourth year, and I really liked it, but I didn't really know what I could do with it. I knew I didn't want to do a PhD um because the way phds are set up are is 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 not not the not the vibe <laughs> let's just call it that um so i knew i didn't want to do a phd um so i went to industry for a little bit and then i saw part of the project was automating some of like older machinery and there was a person that was um kind of automating analog machines to have digital switches in them and i thought that's really cool and some of the problems that that person was having i thought I could do this. You know, I was like there's no chance this thing that they are trying to do is that complicated. Um so I kind of sat on it for a little bit and then I used to live with someone who was a recruiter for um for tech. Um and he was like, you know, there is a job for 50,000 pounds um which was nowhere <laughs> nowhere what I was earning. Um just for the record I was I was earning under 20 <laughs> at the time and I was like, and he was like, oh, nobody wants it. And I was just like, how can you not want a job for 50 grand? Like, what, what is this? Um, and now I know it's because it was a sequel job. <laughs> <So> I, <laughs> know, I know why nobody wanted it. But I just thought there's like, I'm like, what do you have to do to earn that much money? You know, I was like this, I don't know, I was like 23, 24. Um, and that amount of money was just like, I didn't even think I would ever make that money in my life. It was inconceivable for me that someone could reject like there could be a job for 50 grand that nobody wants to do which is an office (laughs) job yeah right um and i just thought f this i'm I'm going to university so every savings that i have every every penny i pumped into paying for my masters um and kind of took it from there and it was the best decision i've ever made i'm so happy i did it it was horrible at the time It was really stressful, really hard because I had to have a part-time job and it taught me a lot um, about myself as well, but equally it, it was hard, like it wasn't easy, but it was so worth it. Very, very happy I did it and I'm quite happy I also didn't go to university straight away because coming back to your early question about like, does it help you being a scientist? I'm like, yes, because I know how to read data and I know um how to you know how papers are structured and i know how to research stuff and i am a little bit more data driven um so absolutely and you know it, it kind of made me into a person that is this person is like but well, what about this and what about this and how can we think about this um and in science you're very kind of used to getting your work scrutinized all the time that's kind of the point you go um you present and then people ask you questions so if they don't ask you questions that's usually a bad sign um So, you know, things like code reviews, like asking, I was, I was very kind of, I was trained to question things. um, And that's probably the best thing that came out of my science degree to challenge constantly everything. (laughs) Um, So I'm very glad it it went the way it went, but it was not easy.
0: Mm. What was it a master's in computer science that you did?
1: Yes. So it's master's of software development. So before CodeClan was a thing, Glasgow Uni had like a conversion course Mm-hmm. So if you had a two one or above, you could jump into this kind of in entry level coding thing, and it was a year, and you got a master's out of it. Which also, I thought, if I ever need to migrate, it's extra points because it's like, yeah,
2: you know, if you need good. the points, definitely worth doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just thought, ah, oh, let's just do it. And even if I don't go into it, it's another skill I can use. But it all yeah. worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, it's no one has ever regretted learning to code ever. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're, if you become a software engineer, like there are so many applications for using code in your day-to-day life, both professionally and non-professionally. Like it's just such a good life skill in general to have. And, um, you know, I, I, there's actually a few people on, on the, on our discord community that aren't even necessarily trying to become software engineers. Mm -hmm. They just want to learn to code because they think it'll be useful, um, which I think is pretty, uh, pretty cool and quite, quite an interesting approach, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that is so useful.
1: Yeah. And I think like every, I mean, even your Excel spreadsheets have code in them, you know, if you can automate your process, if you can automate your life a little bit more, make it easier so you have more time for yourself, your hobbies and your family than sitting in front of a desk, copying and pasting things, then why not, you know?
0: Absolutely.
2: What does a typical day look like for you at the moment as a software engineer?
1: A typical day? Is there such a thing as a typical day in a software (laughs) engineer life? (laughs) Mm, Yeah. (laughs) is. is
2: you, tell, you tell me from your perspective
1: um so when it comes to work we are very happy to so in terms of work we're really lucky at nude that um like we're quite flexible when it comes to working um so <laughs> i just came back from like a month um working remotely in greece so my day in greece looked very different to my day in scotland um so if I was in Greece, I would say, oh, you know, I, I went I got some pastries, sat in the sun in the morning by the sea. <laughs> Whereas in Glasgow, it's probably not not the thing to do. Um, not not got the weather for it all the time. But no, in and in, like, let's get serious. Let's get serious. So I don't know. Uh, so I usually start at kind of eight or nine, depending on what I've got in the day. Um, in the morning, I try to tidy everything up because at 10am we have a standup so i usually if there's things that i'm looking at that i need to give up updates on that's probably what i would do but i also think like early mornings are a very good time for self learning so if you do have a little bit of time um i try to keep that time meeting free so i can either focus on the work at hand or if there is like a proof of concept that i'm working on or if there is like a like we do quite a lot of refactoring and we do quite a lot of good practices. So if, if there is like a different way that we want to do our repositories, I would do that in the morning um, because it's that quiet time that like people don't want for things from me yet. So I would do that in the morning, then 10am rolls in, we've got our stand up and for those who don't know the whole point of a stand up is that everybody says what they are working on so you've got visibility of other people's work um and then you can also highlight any problems that you have so people can help you um, so we have a stand up 10 yeah like it's stand ups are so important i don't understand why mm-hmm. people don't like them so much like they are i think they do uncover people that are struggling but that's the whole point is to help each other yeah yeah um, exactly. so we did that then i worked till about half 12 Again, we're very lucky at Nude that um, we have quite a lot of focus time. Um, So we're big fans of like not kind of switching uh, context that often, like again, Keith is very big on that and and he does does make sure we have that time. So then I'll work on features until like about half 12. Then I try to get out during lunch, uh, stretch them on good old legs, um, (laughs) get some sun if there is sun Um, and then more focus time meetings maybe three till four um and then wrap up by five i don't know it's not very exciting
2: yes
1: (laughs) i don't do do anything that i'm just like yes i wake up at five a.m and then i exercise for 20 minutes um but i think if you can focus like my my big belief is if you can do good focus time it is far better than sitting at a desk for a whole day yeah Mm -hmm. totally and if you like I, I noticed that at uni that because I had so little time and that's when I got really good at it because I had so little time because I had work and then I had uni work and then you you know I had family commitments and things like that I didn't have time to to procrastinate I was like right I've got two hours to do this and whatever's done at the end of two hours that is it um so that kind of really changed my perspective on what does it mean to be working whereas i saw probably my colleagues or my my fellow students um and because they had like the whole day they would go out get a coffee sit and chat um you know do a little bit and go out for lunch um and i'm just like please don't talk to me i have so much to do (laughs) (laughs) um and it was a yeah, it was just a very different vibe. So I I am I am a big believer that you know if you if you do your good focus, if you can do I don't know four to five hours of good focus time, like that is a day, that is the day, and you know that's it.
2: Awesome, you're kind of a like a forerunner of using the Pomodoro technique. There, you're you're sort of saying that you're you're like inadvertently more forced into like doing what you can in a certain amount of time. And then that's it. Right. Like I quite like that you've, that you've been forced into kind of into that. Ah
1: yes, of, the necessity.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: The mother of invention. But it, yeah, it's, like, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, you get these people that stay late and, and they're like, Oh, you know, I worked 12 hours yesterday. And you're like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When I worked in recruitment, uh, which is actually what I did before I became a developer, um, I was surrounded by people that would basically just sit at their desk for as long as possible and like pretend to have worked. And it's just like you're getting nothing out of that. And then the worst part is they would then get a bit funny with people if they felt like they were leaving a bit too early or something. And actually those people would be more productive a lot of the time i mean i just wasn't very productive so i wasn't very good at the job uh but like <laughs> which is why i learned to code um but you know it, it is it is mad I, I wonder if that's changing with the mood to remote work now i mean do, do you work remotely yourself or because uh, yes, i know we, me and colin mostly do yeah
1: we're fully remote which is why i could go work from greece for a month and then berlin for a little
0: that would month. make much more sense you can't, can't get
1: from <laughs> we greece, do to greece to Glasgow. yeah, yeah no <laughs> We do try to kind of meet up once a week when you can, but we, we are a fully remote company. Um, but yeah, yeah, like um, I I didn't learn in my first degree. I was a great procrastinator because I didn't have too much to do, um, but I just, it just and then, it, you know, it leaks into your family time and leaks into your other like, you know, you're like, oh, I can't do this because I need to do this because I've not done it or oh, I've been you know I skyped for a wee bit during the day and then you feel like oh I've not been productive so I need to be more productive Mm. like later in the night and it's just a bit unhealthy like I would rather have my hours set and you know if you need to do a little bit of work later that's fine and you know but don't make it your daily occurrence
0: yeah and it's it's like on a similar note I like to be either 100% working or 100% relaxing because it's really easy to actually be 50% working 50% relaxing it's like if I'm actually just messing up my phone but i've got my vs code open so i feel good about myself like oh yeah, yeah i'm working you know i'm not that's the no. thing so it's like i'd rather actually you know just just get my head down and be 100 focused on the work because even if you work for half as many hours you're actually getting the same amount done so uh, and then you can relax guilt-free which is great you know it's yeah. uh that's what life's all about
1: it's different if you've got a podcast on i'm just i'm just gonna say this. like i'm a big believer in in listening to podcasts while you do tasks um so it, that's a little bit different but yeah if you're just like sitting on your phone and then Yeah, as you said,
0: have the VS Code open and we we wholeheartedly agree with that statement, although research shows that generally the code of career actually is the most beneficial to listen to while you're working. (laughs) Um,
1: I would like I would (laughs) like to see uh, the sources of the study,
0: please. (laughs) Well it's Uh, a (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) <laughs> um and actually my, my next question um interesting enough you actually uh, brought it up earlier um about upskilling and working on personal development and you said you like to do it uh before your stand-ups which i think is a really awesome approach because your brain is going to be the freshest at that point in, in uh, from a wider perspective what what's been your strategy to upskill throughout your career
1: um this is going to be a very unpopular opinion um but so you don't have to learn outside of work in order to be a successful developer mm. but it really freaking helps yeah and like you don't it's difficult right because you shouldn't be coding after work because again it's that life balance um but it does help and I think for me personally I was very aware of it because I did like a I did a entry into code and when I like we we didn't learn some of the stuff that like the code planners are doing like they're doing test driven development stuff I've never learned that um and so when I hit the industry it was you know I got I got a distinction in, in my master's I was like yeah I'm these knees I know everything <laughs> and then you hit you know people hit you with it and you like a coding test and you're like I have absolutely no freaking clue how to do any of this stuff like I didn't Yeah, I had no idea how to test well. Just because of one year is just not enough. And also I think some concepts just kind of need to sit in your brain for a wee bit before you fully kind of realize them. You just need time for those pathways to form in your brain. Um, So actually for me, doing a lot of stuff in the community was a great learning experience. Um, The reason why I joined Codecraft is um, I I went for the first session. I don't know how I heard about it. I can't remember. Um, But it was... um, Caroline and I remember seeing her at it and I was like oh cool that's cool and also just just to mention like our masters was like 50% girls 50% boys so it was very like gender. that's great that's yeah really it was really gender kind of equal um and then you, you kind of hit industry and it's just not the case mm-hmm. um so I went to the meetup um Caroline was there and uh we did this thing called the ping pong programming pattern so many Ps. We love alliterations in codecraft. Like, we love it. So we've got the ping pong, pong programming pattern, um, which is where you have a task, one person writes the tests, the person, the second person writes the code, and then to get this test to pass, then that person also writes the test for the other, for next bit of the work and then passes the computer back to you. And then you write the code and then you write the test and you kind of go back and forth like that. Very and cool. I, yeah it was very cool because i was surrounded by these like senior engineers that just really liked coding it was just like kind of like separate um you know bit of uh what do you call it it was just like a separate prog- problem you know a little bit fun a little bit problem solving and um, and they were just so kind with their time they were like oh but you can do this and you can do this and you can do this and and like, because because a lot of these folks knew what they were doing, they they were like, what what language do you want to code in? And I was like, well, I just, I only know Java. And they're like, okay, let's do Java. You know, it was very yeah. much, let, let's just kind of work at it together. Um, it was a terrible problem because it was um, the plates for the cars, number plates, which is very hard to write. If you ever tried to write it, there's so many rules, it's so silly. Um but and I was just like, I can't believe that this is a free, b there's someone who's nice enough to teach me and like give me their time and see they're actually having fun doing it. I was like, what? Um. So I learned like that, and I went into meetups, and and I really gravitated towards this kind of like hands-on, discussion-driven, um, format because I'm like, okay, I'm not sitting at a talk where I'm just like absorbing information in I'm actually participating I can ask a question if there's something I don't understand I can you know I can ask other participants about it you can hear people being really passionate about subjects and, and like trying to understand like which way is better you know like in terms of for example testing strategies and so for me that was really amazing and that's why I started like helping to run it because I was just like this, this is great everybody should come to this we need to like protect all these nice people that want to do good. <laughs> um, and and I got really excited about Codecraft. Um so that's one way I learned is is always going to meetups. And second one you just have to, I don't know, like I, I you don't have to, but it helps when you read at home and you, you either subscribe to newsletters or you yeah, you find everybody learns differently. Um, I learn through doing most of the time. Um so you just kind of find that. For me, yeah, so that, that's how I learned. And actually, in all honesty with you, you need to understand yourself more as a person than kind of being like, oh, I need to do X, Y, and Z.
2: Yeah, that's a really important observation, I think.
1: Yeah, so I I realized that I was a perfectionist. Um, and I only realized this because I had this really lovely lady um, that because I was a community organizer, she was like, I'll give you a free session. And I was like, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> um, and I was like, I'll pass it on, which I try to do. And she, she sat down with me and she kind of listened to what I was I was saying and I'll link the talk. I'll put it in the show notes or like, well, you're going to put it in the show notes, but I'll give you the link. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, the story of a person that tries to do too much and then they just don't end up following through with anything because they're just, you know, they're just getting dragged in so many different directions and, She was like, all right, you need to start goal setting. You know, you need to be really realistic, like pick five things you want to do a month, pick the times you're going to do them and then just focus on that. And to be honest, that was eye-opening for me um, to understand that I could could do it because for someone to give me kind of like a tool to focus myself on certain things. And then she said, you know, if you've done it for a month and you don't like it, just like dump it. You don't need to look into it. But, you know, spend good time on it and then move on and and that was really good so i tried to bring that to my career now so at nude because we're so new we you know when i joined we didn't even have like our app launched so we, we didn't have all this infrastructure in of like hr right we didn't have you know this is how you know your progression career progression is but as i went in i knew exactly that i'm like every month i need to have five goals i need someone to keep me accountable to those goals I need them to be clear and I need to have a three-month vision, six-month vision, and then a 12-month vision. And that's kind of how I developed my training plan with my manager um, because I know that works for me. But it took me time, right? Because, you know, sometimes you go into your your, your um, team meeting and, and, and they're like, so what do you want to learn? And you're like, I don't know what do you think you should learn. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's what you've hit on is really important. Um, I used to see this a lot at Codeclan, so our, a lot of our listeners are people with zero to three years experience mm-hmm. you know and the zero is really important to us at the coder career because it could be someday that's that's listening that's for example thinking about you know going into a, um, a career in coding or software engineering ultimately and then um, when you get to that point where you've learned like a little bit more and you might even be looking for a job or you might even have a job. Mm-hmm. There is a point at which people, you, you realize how big everything is and you yeah. kind of want to learn everything. Yeah. And that they're almost as a pressure to learn everything, Absolutely. right? Like there's, there's always somebody posting a blog to say, yep. Oh, you have to learn Next.js. Yeah. You really need to learn TypeScript, Ugh. learn CSS three right now. Like, you know, like right now, you know, that, that whole pressurized yeah. like thing, yeah, like, and yeah. I, I, I can't stand that I, It really irritates me as somebody who's been some who's have who, who coaches people and, and helps educate people and like it's all about slow learning and making sure that things are like getting filtered down and, and you're understanding things the right the right way so what you're saying is really important in terms of like to summarize that we uh, what you said uh, you said um uh let li- plan your plan. what you're going to do, um, plan um, how much time you want to spend on each thing and try and try and hit that. And I think that's really important because a lot of people, they just aimlessly like move between yeah. learning this, learning that, or the, today I'm learning this. And you, you can only take in so much of each tiny little thing, right? Um, yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think also everything is kind of the same. So what I noticed as I, as I'm, so I'm going for a senior next year, right? So, and as I noticed in that five years that I'm going to have soon, um, like patterns are so important, right? Because everything, it kind of works the same. <laughs> you've got a database, you know, you've got a database, something that retrieves it from the database, something that edits what you have retrieved, and then it returns it to you. And you're like, this is APIs, and this is everything else. And like majority of APIs will work like that. You know? And then you can learn about GraphQL. And you're like, oh, this is a little bit of a different way of doing APIs.
2: But it's the same thing. But it's the right? same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And then you have, you know, React and you're like, oh, it's a component. It's a component system. You know, and and, and Yeah. Yeah. It's just say, it's yeah, the same it's the same thing. Saying. When you like, for example, um Yeah, yeah, basically. Basically.
2: It's basically what I love what you're saying is like you're saying like and this is something that really helped when when I was teaching and when I was you know um, working with with people in education and explaining to people that that what they're building doesn't need to be something that's um they're they're not doing this for the first time right no exactly like so so like as much as you're loving learning about this really complicated thing and as like, much as you're loving like getting your engineer hat on and like you know hacking the crap out of it and you know spending a lot of time on it. Like, in a, in a weird way, what you're doing has been done millions of times before. And that's and that's a, an eye-opener for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. And even though there's a new thing underneath, that, yeah. all that shininess, there's still a little crap. Yeah, it's all the same stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's. I don't know if you remember, but uh, everybody, it was a Dynamo. I think it was called Dynamo? DynamoDB. Like, no, 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 no. Oh, I wasn't. Oh, there. sorry. It was like a new engine for JavaScript. And they were like, Node is dead. We have dynamo." <laughs>
2: Oh, oh dino dino
0: dino or dino, 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 dino. dino i don't know how to pronounce yeah, it. d-e-n-o wasn't it
1: yeah and yeah. then twitter yeah. we're mad for it yeah totally it was like, oh my god this is the end of i now. know I'm not... i know do you hear about it now no <laughs> nothing yeah <laughs> so it's, yeah it's that hype train isn't
2: it like it's, 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 and i think yeah.
1: twitter is really bad for it totally. twitter is the worst for it i don't know and how YouTube. to yeah and youtube yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, you bring that up, actually, because the Discord question of the week, I think, actually is quite related to that, because the asker, the asker? Is, is that even a word? The person that asked the question. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. sure. What advice can you give to someone who's learning all the materials, languages, and other systems, but still not successfully employed? Uh, to rephrase it almost non-technical skills um what what do you think people can do to try and advance uh to get to the point where they can get job number one when they're technically ready
1: um it's a good question and everybody's different right because soft skills are a very personal thing um so it's up to the individual to understand where they lack in those soft skills whether it is the way they understand stuff. But for me, what works for me, obviously I can only talk about what works for me is the ability to say, I don't know, but, you know, I can do this mm. and this is how I understand it works. And this is how far I got to, but I don't know how to progress it further. Or um, yet having an opinion on things, you know, I did it this way because of X, Y, and Z. To show your kind of, thinking and how you approach a problem because this is what is going to be very important to you as you go through your your career so I do interviews you know I did interviews in my last place and they're very eye-opening uh really great books for the ego sometimes sometimes you're like ah, they're amazing but sometimes you're like what the hell um and you know when when someone says to me you know, like, let's say we're, we're going over their um, coding test and this is a senior and this is someone that I need to learn from, for example, and you ask a question, okay, well, why did you do this? And they say, well, I just felt like it. You're like, you're going to make me feel stupid when I don't understand something and you put in absolutely zero effort into explaining it to me. So it's just not going to work for both of us because I firmly believe that one of the biggest tasks of a senior is to bring the team with you um And 100%. Like, yeah, being able to explain the tasks and making and like, especially for juniors, right? Is making them feel like they're not idiots and making them feel like that they're empowered, that they can make decisions, that they can, you know, play about with code and break stuff. Like that kind of confidence pushing for seniors is really important. So if they are condescending people, I, I just don't have any time for that. I'm very like, don't care, don't want to talk to you. Like, just, just yeah
0: yeah the the talented asshole is someone that everyone has had to work with at some point and then no one ever wants to work with them again after that because they're just so like you can be as good as you want but if you have the wrong attitude about it as a senior person as supposed to mentor people it's just impossible to work with
1: yeah and and it just becomes bitterness in the team and it's just not good um but yeah admitting when yeah just humbleness really right admit when you yeah. don't know explain your answer as far as you can and um, show your personality off because we all need to work with each other. You know, I need to be able to have small talk with a person <laughs> 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 on that call yeah. when you're waiting. You're like, "How's your weekend? Mm. Going anywhere on holiday? Yeah, yeah." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, those are just try to when you're at your tech tests, show off your thinking and ask yeah. questions. Yeah,
2: I think that's in my experience that's that's one of the hardest things for to get people to do yeah. because the by default when somebody who's non-technical is learning to become technical they think that the the person who's asking them the question to to try and understand how what, what level their knowledge is at and how much experience they have and what they think and how their brain works and how their problem solving works i think they think that they're at, they're being quizzed to give a right or wrong like you're people go back to like being at school and being like the what color you know what is the answer to this question uh 14 or no wrong it's 13 uh you You know uh, big big red cross (laughs) like so people go back to that like that 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 that, you know you know that I'm, i'm 13 years old and i'm at school again or i'm 10 or whatever and and actually like it's really hard to convince them that Actually, what we really want is I really want to understand what how you think about this problem, not whether you're getting this the right answer or this is whether you've like coded this the correct way, but like how is your what's your brain doing right now? Like that's yeah. really what you're getting at.
1: Exactly, and also just a pro tip to everybody listening: uh, majority of people don't know what they're doing. Like <laughs> you, you're trying to interview, and you're like, oh, maybe. <laughs> They, they, like a lot of people haven't thought or like you know the, the, it's a standard test that everybody has to take um and you know no, no, i don't know i just i just feel like people ask these questions like where do you see yourself in five years time i'm like what do you want from this question you know when i hear those questions i'm like all right well i want this why do you ask
2: Yep. you know boom. like
1: boom. Yeah. like but they don't know because they they don't they just they're not I mean, maybe it's important for a company because you want to make sure that people will be there in five years' time, which they won't. Um, but it's just like, what is the value of this question? And
2: I love that. Uh, yeah, I love so, that. So I'm in favor of those... calling out bullshit questions. <laughs> in interviews.
1: <laughs> but it's true, right? You're like, why are you wasting everybody's yeah. time? Ask me something relevant, my God. And then you yeah. see on TikTok, you see these texts like, how to answer this question. I'm just like, oh. That's you, Cameron. Oh no, but <laughs> oh, is my... that your oh, so <laughs> <sorry>. answer? <laughs>
0: Oh, sorry. If we're thinking of the same account on TikTok. There's this guy who wears a suit who answers these oh, no. like mock questions in a really loud voice, and he's like, I think that my experience stands and it's like it's, oh right. it's like a self-help God, video from horrendous. the 80s. My the um my tips on TikTok are a lot more chill. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, what's your
1: TikTok? Uh, I need to follow it. It's at the
0: code of Career. What okay. what a segue there as well. I know, like,
1: I know. Free yeah, really? thank you for Free asking. <laughs> I will check you out and I'll call out <laughs> all these answers look up for the comments
2: I like um, what you're saying there as well like like I really do genuinely like what you're saying there as well because like I find that when I'm in an interview situation and someone's asking me some random like written down bs question like uh what's your biggest flaw or, or, or like oh. where do you see yourself in 10 years and like y- y- you really have to wonder like how much if they're putting that much effort into like hiring, do you yeah. really want to work there like i know that I maybe shouldn't be giving out advice to say like turn down jobs or whatever and please please no, nobody ever just like turn down a job and then turn around and blame me for it but <laughs> have a have a think about like you know are they asking questions that you think that that you they should ask that, that makes you think and like gets your brain going and like is relevant to your experience or do they just have like a pre Written set of like questions that they ask everyone. Yeah, <laughs> Who'd do <But> then, that.
1: <laughs> I think, that, but, but see, this is this is the thing with with tech, right? Because you have people that yeah. are not technical that are interviewing, and it might be your first stage, and you kind of need to know those bullshit questions to get to the second stage. So I mm-hmm. totally understand. But if someone that you're going to work with, like your your ma- future manager, asks that, you're like, why are you asking this? Yeah. Um. So sometimes you do need to get through the first stage of like. The rubbish questions. I, I do. I do have a lot of um, sympathy for people who are going for their first job because I remember my first job, and I just remember being so frustrated all the time. Um, my worst. This should be. This should be a question on your podcast. What was the worst interview experience you've ever had? Oh, and, that's a good question. And mm-hmm. I will forever remember this interview. It was her company in Glasgow that I shall not name, um, but honest to God, I, I. I was so bad so when you're naming your variables that are booleans usually you use something like is word mm. or like is true or whatever right that's like a standard you use but i did not know that because we didn't do any good code practices in in my university course so i did not know what mm. is was right and english is not my first language i am fully fluent right i i would say that english is my first language but you know i get i get my moments where i'm like what oh, mm-hmm. is this and so I went into this interview and it was, the task was to write a predictive text dictionary which would output is word. And I said, what's Which the would word? what, sorry? Which, which is would output, output is word. Like whether it is, a, if something is a word or oh, okay. isn't a word. Like So you go through a tree, find all the things and then in order right. to check all the possibilities and then check in the dictionary if that is an actual word um, and then output them as a as an array of, Predictions and I could not for the life of me understand what is word was like
2: right as the name word. of the variable.
1: Yeah, we got into yeah. this because the, the question just said explore, um, output is word, and I'm like, what is word? And they're like, is yeah. word, I'm like, yeah, but like, what, what is word? And like, whether it is is word it's or word, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like, whether it's word or not, and I'm like, so it is a word or it isn't a word, and they're like, yeah, it's word, <laughs> and I. It was honest, and it was also a whiteboard interview. Um, and it was honestly horrendous. I just, I just remember coming, and they didn't give me any water. Um, so it was like this two o'clock interview. It was so hot in the office. Um, I've been there for three hours, no water. It was over, like just, oh, I just, oh, it was just horrendous. And we just started going back and forth, like, is word. And then they just handed me like the Java doc that they printed out. And then I was looking at it. I was like, "There's no his word on this." <laughs> <laughs> it was just a disaster. It was absolute disaster. I went home. I cried on the way back. I was like, "I don't know what I did." Um, so I have a lot of sympathy for people who are interviewing for the first time. It is a skill. It does get easier as you, as you, as you get through it. And it is like I think finding your first one is the worst like that I think that is the hardest and then you, you learn like what you put up with what you like what you don't like and then as you go to a second third one is fine
0: yeah um, definitely I the worst story I've ever heard about an interview was I saw on a, a CS careers questions subreddit um, this office the CEO had a chihuahua oh, and um the guy already was a doing red whiteboard. flag <laughs> yeah the guy was doing a whiteboard exercise and he slipped and fell backwards and fell on the chihuahua and killed <gasps> it
2: <laughs> and killed it yeah, I killed it. Oh my God. <laughs> that it so that can't be It's true. awful.
0: I love dogs, but it's an awful story. Oh my
1: God.
0: Yeah, I take it with a pinch of salt, which is it, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but. Oh,
1: I mean, imagine. On, on, imagine.
0: On, on a lighter note, um, how do you think uh, people can get involved in tech meetups if they're maybe a little bit unsure? Because obviously, you're so involved in them yourself.
1: Um, yeah, sure. Um, this will this will form a good basis for my blog. I haven't thought about it yet, but there you go. <laughs> How do you get involved? Turn up. That's like number one. Um, find one that sounds interesting and literally just turn up to it. You can always leave. You're not held there hostage. You know, if things are not going your way, just leave. Um, that's a
2: good bit of advice, actually.
1: <laughs> it's it's fine. Like, you know, try not to walk out in the middle of a talk because that's a little bit rude. But the minute the talk's finished, just go, um, get your pizza and go. Yes. <laughs> um yeah just turn up and try and find communities i think um it's post-covid is a little bit difficult because as i said like before covid everybody would be going to tech meetups there would be you know people be there's slack groups meetup or like meetup.com eventbrite tito all these places you would have like where do you find meetups and all this kind of stuff um now it's a little bit harder because we're just coming back into the offices and um, people are still kind of iffy because of COVID and we'll see how winter goes, but Codecraft is open to everybody, all levels. So absolutely, please join us. Um, there is tech meetup that's starting up this month. So it's only going to be, oh gosh, I will, I will put in the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. So the actual tech meetup is starting. They're like more talk-based, um yeah just find find your niche go and see if you meet new people um you know go a couple of times because you might not meet your person the first time like a person that you click with um yeah just just literally just turn up and see what happens um find people like you know if, if you've got someone who you could go with? It's always better to go in a pair because you can give each other confidence, and you can leave, both leave at one time if you if you if it's terrible. Um, but usually, what's really good to look out for, especially um as I'm as I am one of the organisers, is what was really important for us is making sure the spaces are safe. So we have a code of conduct because we are such an involved meetup. We need to be very kind of honest and be like, "This is the code of conduct. You will be asked to leave if you if you don't abide by it." so for example because we discuss things a lot you know some people can get quite angry we've never had this right but i would imagine so some people can get quite angry about it and then just call someone an idiot right so obviously that's not tolerated but that's also a really big learning for someone but it's like you know you can't call someone an idiot you need to explain why their point of their idea is wrong and you do not agree with it and what is the point that you disagree with um so we have code of conduct to kind of help with those situations and remove people that are being disruptive um and very um just not 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 nice people but you know people make Glasgow so we actually never had to remove anyone (laughs) um
0: long may it continue
1: yes so you know um I would say have a look at code of conduct contact the organizers if you're if you're feeling unsure you know if you want to kind of come up with them or you want someone to show you around more most people will be very happy to do so um, and yeah just find your niche you know we've got rookie oven and um, that's still going so yeah plenty plenty of good plenty of good and hopefully as we come out of this pandemic there'll be more exciting things
2: Brilliant. and if you
1: want to run one get in touch with me um I know resources is in Glasgow I'm quite active I'm quite active on the Glasgow scene so I can put you in touch with people who can sponsor you who can give you space who can help you set up like Again, we're very welcoming and we we want people to to succeed and then give back later on. I think that's the whole point, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. It's awesome. a great mission statement for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, we're kind of approaching the end of the podcast now. So I just wanted oh, to no, uh, say a massive thank you because uh, we have borrowed you for more than the allotted hour uh, in the calendar invite. So thank you for, uh, oh. for, for staying on. But uh, yeah. Um, well, thank you
1: for the chat. Listen, if you want to pick my brain some more, always welcome. <laughs> we
0: would absolutely love to. Yeah, yeah, we love that um so if people want to get in touch with you after the show like for example if they're really interested in codecraft or, or something like that what's generally the best way for people to, uh, to get and keep in touch with you
1: um i really like linkedin um but i am also on twitter um and we have an email for codecraft as well so i will send you all the links so you can put them in the show notes Brilliant. but uh, i am I, I do like linkedin <laughs> i don't
2: know why Me too. i like it as well <laughs>
1: It's. I, I. think like there's a lot like people post garbage, but I think it's becoming a better platform for creators.
0: Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you're
1: not a TikToker, like what what is there?
0: There's Instagram, but like the ecosystem for that is weird for developers anyway. Yeah. Uh, like TikTok is the only. Yeah, it's um it's a decent resource for developers, but even then the ecosystem's a bit weird. So LinkedIn is is really underrated actually. Uh,
1: yeah. And. But yeah, there is a lot of garbage on
2: it.
0: Cool. Absolutely. And um, yeah, thanks again. And uh, thank you as well to all the listeners for tuning in um, for another episode of The Code of Career. Uh, You can find as well, both me and Colin's contact details in the uh, description below. And of course, uh, the uh, Discord community as well, which you can now access by going to www.thecodacareer.com. And uh, yeah, thanks again. And we'll see you next time.